Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 69. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. And hello to you, Christina. How was life? Oh, absolutely superb. Fantabulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good way to start the show. Yes, of course. How could it superb? be any other, you know? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there <laughs> Dealing in the world of medicine, uh, I see some of the other, but I, I agree with you. We should be thinking that way all the time. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman, I will be your medical guide today, along with Christina, as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy each week, searching for optimal health. And again, today we are pleased and privileged to have with us Tracy Harrison. Uh, those of you that have caught some of her other shows know that uh, it's usually a, a pretty rich, uh, power-packed show, and we're expecting another one today. We're going to be talking about minerals, vitamins, and supplements with Tracy, so it should be a great one. Mm. And just in case people want to ask Tracy a question as we go through the show, how should they get in touch with us? Well, thank you, Glenn. Um, at any time during this live presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment just by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Or if you prefer, you can dial into our conference line and ask it yourself. The number is 323-476-3997 and your ID is 607-393-POUND. Thank you, Glenn. Oh, you're welcome, Christina, and thank you. So as I said, uh, Tracy Harrison is with us today, and she's had a number of other episodes with us, and I would recommend those of you that have seen her already know how good her information is, and those who have not seen her before and meeting her for the first time, I recommend going back and looking at, uh, I think we've done four other episodes with oh, her yes. already, and uh, each one of them was a great show. So I would start from the beginning and watch all of her shows to get a really good idea of Tracy. So Tracy is um, a health and wellness counselor, and her goal is to teach people to eat with purpose. And my purpose today is to introduce her and get started. Hello, Tracy. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. Good morning to you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I can't believe this is our fifth show. That's amazing. That's fabulous. We just can't get enough of you, Tracy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and such and a you thrill. for me, indeed. <laughs> you know, it, it is uh, it is funny because as we go through the shows, I mean, uh, there's so much information, and every time uh, we start to pick a topic, I know that we could speak on it for hours and hours and hours. Uh, so the interesting part is to d try to give everyone at least a tidbit of information. Uh, actually, probably what we're doing is supplementing some of their. Uh, knowledge. So today, Tracy, we're going to try and talk about vitamins and minerals and supplements. They're in the news all the time. People are taking them. There's all sorts of misinformation out there. Uh, everyone's an expert and everyone has issues with different things. There's people uh, through my years, I've, I've heard the um, people that are against vitamins saying all it is is expensive urine. <laughs> Spending lots of money uh, to change your urine. So let's see. Well, if we let can... me tell you, it's those vitamins and supplements that keep me bouncing on this ball all the time. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, 
and they would keep us all bouncing if we took them correctly. But that's what, that's what we need to know. What's the questions? What's the answers? So, Tracy, that I, I have no idea where we're going today. We're going to cover a lot. So let's start with uh, vitamins. Uh, what are vitamins? A vitamin is uh, an organic compound that the human body needs in order to function that uh, we cannot make for ourselves. And it necessarily is something that we need in very small amounts, uh, as opposed to say in our, in our, in our food, we need protein, for example, but protein is not considered to be a vitamin because we need a lot of it versus vitamin A. Um, is a, a vitamin because we need small amounts of it. We can't make it, and therefore we have to get it externally. And to your point, that can either be via food or via some other supplemental type of regimen. So I think a few things that you've already brought up that are very interesting for me. One is small amounts, because I know people are always talking about, oh, if I you know, if 500 milligrams of vitamin C is good, maybe 3,000 is really good, and that doesn't always work. But I think we we would agree that under circumstances, if somebody was to eat a perfect diet and lived in a perfect environment, they may not need to take vitamin supplements. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I think that would be wonderful. It's a great intention. If we could eat ideal food and live in an ideal environment, uh, we certainly would not need supplements um, on an ongoing basis. The body would thrive and get absolutely everything it needed from food. And then, and then we also realize that vitamins are different than when we talk about nutrients. You know, there are essential Uh, fatty acids, and there are amino acids, and as you said, the proteins and carbohydrates and fats, but vitamins are a special part of that. And so let's get into the process here of choosing vitamins. Who needs them? Who doesn't need them? And how do we choose a vitamin? That's a great question. Uh, when when most people people think about taking a supplement, one of the first things they will think of is a multivitamin, thereby meaning usually a single pill that has several different vitamins in it. And if we eat a nice, healthy diet that is um, richly made up of uh, plant foods, uh, fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, nuts, seeds, these types of things, we will get a lot of uh, vitamins. To your earlier point, the question is, is it enough for that unique person's body? And and I think that's one of the the first principles I want to highlight today is that my need for a given vitamin and yours are likely very different. There is no magic amount that um, is true for each of us uh, in terms of the optimal amount of a vitamin because we're all different genetically and we all undergo different lifestyle wear and tear, if you will. We're exposed to different toxins. We have different needs for antioxidant protection. Um, So our needs are unique. Uh, They really are. And um, as a practitioner, I uh, have an opinion that's a bit different from a number of other people, but I am not a huge um, advocate of a generic multivitamin. And I'll tell you why. The vast majority of multivitamins that are out there are made up of forms of vitamins forms of those organic chemicals that are not necessarily very well absorbed 
into the human body via our GI tract. And once we get it into our body, they're not necessarily well used by our cells to make a difference. And that I find is the number one reason, as you said earlier, why we might just end up with expensive urine uh, as a result of a multivitamin. Uh, I much prefer to coach people on eating a healthier diet to get the, the core nutrients they need. And when I say core, I'm talking about vitamins and then some of the essential minerals, which we'll get into in just a second. Uh, I think it's important that we do everything we can via food. And then when I work with clients, I'm much more likely to make very specific recommendations on specific nutrients that they may need uniquely or that their diet may be missing. But there is a lot out there, unfortunately, Glenn, as you know, that um, in the multivitamin world, that's low quality or flooded with all sorts of uh, chemical additives. I, I was just reviewing with the family the other day that their the multivitamin that they had chosen for their child with great intentions of helping him with his nutrition included all sorts of artificial colors, artificial mm-hmm. flavors, artificial sweeteners, and trans fats. Um, I, I really believe that it was doing more harm than good just because of all those additives. So I do think it's so important for people to read labels of any supplement they choose, just like hopefully they're reading labels of foods that mm. they choose. Um, Tracy, I have a question about the multivitamins. There's a company or a couple of companies out there um, that have formulated their vitamins out of foods themselves. So, mm-hmm. for example, you know, that, that is their main selling point is that this is like dehydrated vegetables, every, you know, everything all compounded into one tablet now. And it's, you know, from reading the labels, very pure. But how do you feel about that sort of multivitamin being absorbed in the system? That's a great question. So there there are some supplements, and I wouldn't call it a multivitamin, but there mm. are some supplements that are just extracts of food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we can name brands here. I, uh, a product that I'm a very big fan of is something called Juice Plus, mm-hmm. which is literally fruits and vegetables that are just pulped and dehydrated. Um, and, and so what you get is literally from the food, just in a more concentrated um, delivery vehicle. Uh, but there are also some companies that make multivitamins that are um, extracted from the food itself, usually as a result of fermentation. For example, uh, different types of bacteria will make B vitamins. And as we discussed earlier with our epidemic of gastrointestinal inflammation and disease, some people's bodies just don't make enough with their own supply of gut microbes. And so they need B vitamins and you can buy food-based multivitamins that would include B vitamins that are not synthetic, but are literally extracted from bacteria that have been allowed to ferment uh, fiber and, um, and food for them. So in that sense, it is much closer to the form in which the human body would normally get it. And and I think in principle, and I think that's kind of where you're going, the closer we can get to the actual food source, or if it is a, an isolated supplement, the form of the nutrient that we would have gotten via food, the better off we are. Hmm. Hmm. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because there is a, a brand by the name of Megafood. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they do. It's, it's like they dehydrate everything and powder it down into that supplement form 
Mm-hmm. And they say it assimilates much easier into the body as opposed to something, a multiple vitamin or a supplement that you might buy, you know, at a Costco or something <laughs> like mm-hmm. that. Sure. Absolutely. Mm. And Thank and the, the challenge with that actually is that um, when we eat food and we get a nutrient, so I know we haven't talked about minerals yet, but just as an example, um, magnesium, when we get magnesium via food, it's bound to the food, specifically to amino acids in the protein. And, and there's not just one kind. There are lots of kinds. And the body gets a rich variety of amino acid chelates or different magnesium-bound types of molecules. Hmm. Well, if I take a tablet that's got a whole bunch of just one kind, I'm not really well mimicking what the body would normally get from food. Uh, and so um, I think to your point, when we can get it directly from food or food extracts or um, what, are, what are called multi-chelates, so multiple forms of a nutrient, I think we're much better off. But unfortunately, that's not the kind of supplements that most people are choosing, I think by and large, because they're not going to be the cheapest versions of them. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think people make a lot of mistakes by going to a store and looking for the cheapest thing available and assuming it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And it's yes. not. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I want to stay on the label a little bit since we've, mm-hmm. in one of our other talks, we talked about reading labels for regular foods. What kind of things should we look for uh, to recognize that says that this, this is a good vitamin and this is a, not a good vitamin? What kind of a couple of points that you could tell us to look for? I, I think the most important thing is, as just as with food products, to look at the ingredient list. Because, again, the the supplement company doesn't always have to tell you where the nutrients were derived. But if there are fillers and binders and additives and the colors and flavors and sweeteners and whatnot, those do have to be declared. And hopefully in a supplement, the what you're looking at in terms of ingredients are just the nutrients themselves. Like beta carotene is a a type of um, vitamin A. It's a precursor to fully formed vitamin A. You expect to see the names of the nutrients, but you don't expect to see partially hydrogenated sunflower oil. Uh, You don't expect to see aspartame. Uh, as an artificial sweetener. And so I think that's the most important thing, Glenn, to make sure that you're at least not getting extra chemicals, uh, extra burden on your body um, by by choosing a specific brand. And people would be shocked to know some of the major best-selling brands that have these kind of chemical additives. Uh, So I I think it's really important. Um, You know, it's my favorite example is a, a multivitamin that's colored blue or silver. Um, the artificial blue color has aluminum in it. So the whole notion of taking a multivitamin to help your body detox and getting a little bit of aluminum at the same time is just really illogical to me. Is there anything on the label such as FDA approved or something that we could find quickly that says, okay, this is at least better than that one that doesn't have this on it? There's not. There's not. At this point, the FDA is not involved in regulation of uh, nutritional supplements, which is a little bit of a political hot topic in mm-hmm. the uh, the wellness and I'm sure the medical world. I think um, in America, in terms of basic freedoms, an awful lot of people value the right to manage their own health. 
by purchasing the supplements that they intuitively feel like are good for them. And, and I think that piece is wonderful in terms of freedom and lack of regulation. But on the other hand, that really puts the onus on the consumer to really be educated about what they need to look for in a particular nutrient because they, we don't have that guidance. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting. It's it's a real mixed bag. And, and it's one of the the, um, I think, wonderful opportunities that people have in working with a health counselor uh, like myself, because we can help to educate people about what is important to look for in certain types of supplements that may be good for their unique body and really add some of that um, dis- uh, discerning um, that to your point, an awful lot of what's in the media is sponsored by the supplement companies themselves, which may be well-intentioned, but it's, of course, biased. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, since we talk about foods, uh, if we ate all the perfect foods, uh, most of the time when we have a food, uh, we get it from a grocery store or farmer's market. It's, and so there's a time from the time the food was picked, like a fruit or a a vegetable or a green, and then after the time, then we do things with it. We steam it. Do we eat it raw? Do we cook it? What do, What do those kind of things, time and preparation, do to the vitamins, minerals, and supplements in the foods? That's a great question. It's, it's a real mixed bag. Um, so if it is a food extract, then certainly you would want that to be processed as soon as possible after the food is picked and and that extraction takes place. Um, Oxidation, uh, sustained exposure to oxygen or risk of exposure to moisture are are two things that would definitely damage um, via oxidation uh, any type of nutrient supplement. And and in that sense, I do think it's wise to make sure you're looking at expiration dates. Um, But uh, again, an awful lot of what is out there in terms of vitamins in particular is unfortunately synthetic. And my favorite example of that that most people don't realize is the, the B vitamin B9 or what we like to call folate. The vast majority of multivitamin supplements do not have real folate in them. What they have is something called folic acid. And folic acid is not found in food anywhere. Folic acid is synthetic. And uh, what we've, interestingly enough, what we've learned from clinical study is that the body will tolerate very, very large amounts of folate, uh, but you can pretty easily overdose on folic acid. So it's a great example of needing to look for nutrients in as natural a form as possible. And one of my tips is that if you are going to take a multivitamin or a B-complex, that you look for something that on the um, the nutrient list in the back says folate, um, folinic acid, or um, uh, methyl tetrahydrofolate, but the word folate as uh, as opposed to folic acid. But that's not the kind of discerning that the average person is really going to know to look for. Um, manufacturers are just as happy to include the cheap synthetic version of nutrients in their product. They're not lying because it it has in it what it says, but people don't know that what they're getting is going to be less effective in the body in making a difference toward wellness, which is the whole reason they're taking it in the first place. Since we're, since we're on the subject of like a B vitamin right now, <laughs> we're on the subject Please. of vitamins. Um, can you give us a little insight on this um, 
vitamin B shots that people are taking? Uh, shots like injections or yes. shots like the drinks? Injections. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, that, I, I just learned about that last year. And I was astonished. And I said, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's a that's a great example of a nutrient that I find a lot of my clients need, especially as folks age. And that is vitamin B12. When people are getting injections of B vitamins, what, what they're usually getting is vitamin B12. And that's because vitamin B12, when we consume it, in our food, or for that matter, in a supplement. We're very dependent on having good, strong stomach acid. And for folks who may have listened to our earlier shows, we know that because of epidemic use of uh, antacid medications or acid-suppressing medications, we Americans in particular really struggle to have optimal amounts of stomach acid. And if you don't have enough stomach acid, you won't chemically modify the B12 in the stomach so that it can actually be absorbed into the intestines later on. And this is a great example of how you can consume all of it you want to. But if it's not bioavailable, if you can't absorb it through your intestines, it's just going to make, in this case, expensive poop. <laughs> um, you have to be able to modify it. And so sometimes people find that because of low stomach acid or maybe maybe they can't have enough uh, stomach acid, maybe they have to take medications because of an ulcer or um, a hiatal hernia or Barrett's esophagus or other uh, GI inflammation, then they find they need to take vitamin B12 as an injection to get it right into their bloodstream because their GI tract is not going to be able to modify it. Uh, so it's a great question because I find a lot of people do need B12 because with suboptimal GI function, they're just not isolating it well enough from their food. And B12 is hugely necessary for energy uh, generation in the body. It's also particularly important for nerve function. Mm. Uh, a lot of people who have neuropathy, especially diabetics, part of their challenge is they don't have optimal amounts of B12. Hmm. Interesting, because I, I know the individuals I spoke to, and this is what baffled me, I mean, they were pretty athletic. Mm -hmm. And they said that, oh, they have these injections done several times. Like they, It's like a series that they would do once a month. And I'd say, wow, because it boosts their energy level. Yeah. And it's like, and oh, it's like a shot of caffeine, right? <laughs> and well, and to your point, it's real energy as opposed to stimulant high mm. Um it, that's actually a great point, and Glenn, I know you and I've talked about this before, that there's a difference between not being deficient in a nutrient and having optimal amounts. And as we've discussed before, the recommended daily allowance of a nutrient like a vitamin C or a vitamin B12 is was never intended to be the right amount for all of us to take in. It's not the target amount. It's not the optimal amount. It's actually the bare minimum amount that we need from a combination of our diet and supplements in order to not get a certain set of diseases that the U.S. government really wants to make uh, extinct. And so this is why the RDA or the recommended daily allowance, which again is a real um, confusing or misleading name, 
the recommended daily allowance of vitamin C is so incredibly low because it's just the minimal amount that you need to not get scurvy. But not getting scurvy, the difference between not getting scurvy and living optimally is huge. That's a huge gap. And so we can't use the RDAs as targets for what our bodies need because they were never intended to be targets. It's the rock bottom bare minimum. And it's scary to think that in some cases people don't get that either. But it's it's not anywhere close to what we need in order to really thrive optimally and feel fantastic every day. Um, not getting scurvy. It's amazing. We don't even hear about scurvy in the media anymore because it's pretty hard to not get, you know, a few dozen um, milligrams of vitamin C. Um, so it, it's a great question. Let's talk about uh, taking vitamins actually now, uh, the actual active taking a vitamin. Many people that take vitamins in the morning get that upset stomach or nausea. And usually I think that comes with the B vitamins. Is that an indicator of whether you have too much or too little acid? That's a great question. I, I find that the nutrient that most often causes nausea from a multivitamin is actually zinc. And uh, that's just part of how it uh, it affects us in terms of um, uh, stimulating some dysmotility in the stomach when we take it, especially if people are taking it on an empty stomach. Um, the vast majority of nutrients, uh, especially vitamins and minerals, do need to be taken on a full stomach. And, and I don't mean before the meal. I mean in the middle of the meal or at the end. Um, because when you think about it, we're going to break up food and use stomach acid and digestive enzymes in order to help get the nutrients from the food. We need the same help to get the nutrients from the supplement. So it's very important to take a multivitamin in the middle of or at the end of a meal. Uh, but to your point, B vitamins can also uh, cause some, um, some indigestion as well. But I find that zinc is the more common culprit, especially in a multivitamin. When I look at people and they take their vitamins, it's usually a handful, and it's the habit, the pattern of behavior of taking them in the morning. Should all vitamins be taken together, and should all vitamins be taking one dose in the morning? That's a and great I think, question. Let me, ask, let me even throw that out a little to open it up to a little bit of minerals also right now, because so many of the vitamins include uh, minerals or the multivitamins are included. So if you want to speak on vitamins and minerals, go for that. Okay, uh, that's a great question. I think there are a couple of important principles. One is that the human GI tract can only absorb so much nutrition at once. We, it's impossible for us to absorb 100% of the nutrition from our food, so we're not going to absorb 100% of the nutrition from, our, from a supplement either. It's just not, um, not going to happen. Uh, we're always going to be losing some amount of available nutrients uh, into our stool. And uh, as, a, as a result, it's important where possible to spread supplements out so the GI tract has more opportunities, if you will, to absorb a wider um, or a larger amount of what we're trying to take. So just as an example, if someone is trying to take uh, 1,000 micrograms of vitamin B12, it could be very useful to split that up and take 500 in the middle of one meal and 500 in the middle of another meal because we have a greater likelihood of absorbing it all. 
And uh, having said that, I've, I definitely have colleagues who argue with me that it's better to take everything all at once because biochemical processes usually have more than one nutrient as a cofactor. So, uh, for example, energy generation is very dependent on vitamin B12, but it's also very dependent on the mineral magnesium. So do you have to take all of that together? Uh, theoretically, it would be nice if we could, but I find the much bigger limiter in terms of getting what we've invested in or what we swallowed is about absorption. So I do recommend divided doses of vitamins and minerals where possible. Uh, certainly, I'm not talking about taking a multivitamin and trying to split it in half, but if there is something where the dosage you're taking is, say, two capsules, it makes a lot more sense for you to take one with one meal and the other with the other meal so that you have opportunity for maximum absorption. Um, having said that, I do think we need to be cautious about the time of day for certain nutrients. I don't know if you want to get into that. but um, Go for it. Okay. Uh, there are definitely some things that can keep people awake. I do not recommend taking a B-complex or significant amounts of vitamin B12 at night, especially if you eat a later dinner, because sometimes people find that it works. They absorb it and they get jazzed up and it can actually interfere with uh, sleep interfere with the winding down of the body and um, release of more melatonin so that the body can really become uh, ready for, for sleep. And uh, I've actually had um, a few people respond that way, not many, but a few people respond that way to uh, omega-3s uh, via fish oil as well. Uh, not as common, but I do encourage people to experiment a little bit to make sure that what they're taking as supplements, perhaps with their evening meal, is not interrupting their sleep. If they do find they struggle with insomnia or too much wakefulness or trouble getting to sleep. When we spoke in some of our past talks about eating uh, foods together or not together, specifically to either assist or prevent uh, absorption, are there any foods we shouldn't be eating uh, when we're taking, say, a fat-soluble vitamin like A, D, E, or K, or a water-soluble vitamin like the others that we take? Are there things we should or should not be eating that assist or deter? Well the first thing you mentioned is very important. So fat soluble vitamins, the word, the phrase fat soluble uh, indicates that we, because we absorb those nutrients in our GI tract um, as we would a fat, normally those vitamins A, D, E, and K are bound to fat. And so we absorb them into the lymph system. We're going to absorb those nutrients much better if we have a good portion of healthy fat in a meal. It doesn't mean we won't absorb them at all otherwise. We're just not going to absorb them as well. So I think if, if someone has, for example, all-brand cereal and skim milk for breakfast and then starts taking a whole bunch of fat-soluble vitamins, that's a waste because that's a fat-free meal that I wouldn't recommend, by the way. But if that is <laughs> something that's being chosen for breakfast, the body's really going to struggle to absorb uh, all of those fat-soluble vitamins. And, and it is a waste at that point in terms of the investment. Um, so I think that piece is, is really key. Um, an, another one that I think is worth mentioning is for individuals who are have some level of anemia and they are taking an iron supplement. 
which um, I don't recommend for many people, by the way. Iron is a, a heavy metal that the body has to have. It's um, the primary mineral in hemoglobin, which is what transport oxygen throughout the body. So it's really necessary for healthy red blood cells. But optimal amounts of iron is really critical. Optimal amounts of every nutrient is critical, but it's particularly important for, for iron. And too much is not a good thing. So I really think people should be careful about taking iron just because um, or as a preventive nutrient. I really think generally we, we get the iron that we need from our diets and we can measure in lab work uh, a marker called ferritin, which is uh, the body's storage supply of iron. And, and that marker can really tell us whether our diet and our absorption give sufficient iron. So I recommend people only take iron if they know they need it. Um, because it is something that can get out of hand and cause inflammation in the body. But calcium impairs iron absorption. And so there again, if people are taking a calcium supplement with breakfast, which is when a lot of Americans will choose to eat a dairy food, yogurt, milk, this type of thing, really not going to absorb much of that iron. And iron is already a poorly absorbed mineral, uh, depending on the individual GI tract, between 15 and 25% of the iron you consume is the maximum we can absorb. So uh, we're already looking at uh, a lower absorption rate. And if you pair that with a good dose of calcium or a calcium supplement, you're really going to impair the iron that you bring in. And that's important because, again, a lot of people are taking iron because of anemia, which is definitely something we need to focus on reversing for optimal functioning of the body. I would also like to add at that point that there's many different types of anemias and so just if you hear the word, oh, I have anemia, I should take iron, that's not the right conclusion to make. You should work with your physician or healer or counselor uh, to figure out what type of anemia you actually have and then make the determination as to how you should supplement and improve that. I wanted to uh, talk about sometimes when a person takes vitamins, are there times that they should stop taking them? For example, if they're going to have a surgery or somebody that uh, is on chemotherapy, any, any examples that you have where somebody normally taking a vitamin should stop taking it? That's a great question. First of all, I want to say I am a very big fan of vitamin holidays. We just, it's not so much a reason, but, but I think in general, we can get stuck in um, supplement ruts. I have met clients before who will walk, uh, walk in the door or, or email me a list of their supplements, and they're taking 15 or 20 things, and I start asking them why they're taking them or when they started taking them. And they read a book 22 years ago and it resonated with them. So they've been taking these exact same supplements every day for the past 22 years. That's probably not optimal anymore <laughs> for that person because our needs for nutrients change over time. And so I, I recommend that people at a minimal at a minimum, um, a couple of times a year, take a hiatus from their supplements for a couple of weeks. Now, this is assuming that you're you're not taking something that's very specifically addressing a, um, a life-threatening or a debilitating deficiency. But just where people are taking stuff that resonates with them or that is preventive in nature, I think it makes sense to give the body a break 
a couple of times a year, take a break from the supplements, and then be able to add them back one at a time and see how you feel. Sometimes people find that something that maybe made them feel great a couple of years ago when they started, now when they add it back, they don't feel better. They actually feel a little worse. And so I think that type of just um, beginner's mind, openness to change is really important. And again, this is another arena where a health coach and everybody's local community can really be helpful. Um, but but your, your point about surgery, I definitely want to focus on that for a second because people take a, a number of different types of supplements as anti-inflammatories. Uh, because we we discussed many times that chronic inflammation is at the root of an awful lot of the epidemic diseases in the U.S., which is true. Well, when you have surgery and you're going to need to heal, you need inflammation. And it, it's a great reminder of the fact that inflammation is not bad. It's it's part of the body's normal repair function and how, to, how the body handles uh, wounds and injury. And so when you're going to go into surgery and presumably have some sort of a wound um, that needs to heal, you don't want to suppress your inflammation. So when people are taking things like uh, herbal anti-inflammatories, maybe like um, curcumin or bromelain or blends like a xiflamend, uh, there's some really wonderful products out there, but they do suppress inflammation. And so I recommend people stop those kinds of supplements uh, at least 10 days prior to surgery because you really want to get them out of your system. Uh, fish oil is another one or a flax oil, any type of omega-3s that people are taking supplementally. I recommend they also stop those about 10 days before, not only to prevent um getting rid of too much of the inflammatory response, but also to avoid thinning blood. That's something that we know clinically. There's no disputing the fact that uh, uh, fish oil, especially EPA, that omega-3, helps to thin blood. Well, when you are having surgery and you need your wound to heal and you need your blood to clot, you don't actually want to thin your blood. And so... Um, uh, anti-inflammatory agents, I think, are definitely something to stop. Anything that thins blood, any type of omega-3 supplement are, are the primary things I recommend people really stop a good 10 days prior to surgery. Uh, those, that's great advice. Uh, I really agree with all of that. Not that I don't agree with everything you say, but I think that <laughs> <laughs> those are great points. Uh, while we're talking, we keep using the word supplements and minerals. Do you want to talk about supplements and minerals just in a general statement for a few moments? Sure. Um, so the human body has need for um, a few dozen minerals. Um, in, in the environment, minerals are rocks. <laughs> They're inorganic substances um, that we need as cofactors for a huge number of biochemical reactions in the body. Uh, magnesium alone is involved in over 300 different biochemical reactions. And a short list of those minerals, it's argued the exact number, but I think most nutritionists and dietitians would agree it's about eight. Uh, a few would say 10, but eight of those minerals are essential meaning we have to have them because we we need them in significant amounts and they drive a huge proportion of chemical reactions. These are things like calcium and potassium and magnesium and sodium. 
And then there are things that we need in trace amounts. And, and I think actually medical science is just beginning to uncover the full list of those items and what those minerals do in the body. Uh, things that are needed in much, much smaller uh, amounts like vanadium or boron. Uh, we know that boron is really critical for helping bone matrix to uh, be nice and robust um, and uh, to keep bones both the right combination of strong but also flexible. But we don't need huge amounts of it. And so, again, we ideally, as you said in the beginning, should be getting both essential and trace or non-essential minerals sufficiently from our food. But because we don't tend to eat as much food that was actually grown in the ground where, uh, where the minerals come from, and also because, unfortunately, we're finding that uh, food has fewer and fewer minerals in it due to topsoil erosion and overusage of soil, we literally have, in some cases, 20% of the minerals in a piece of vegetable in comparison now to what maybe was available in the 1950s or the 1960s. So food is less nutritious now, even all things you know, the same, eight ounces of broccoli then, eight ounces of broccoli now. We don't get as much nutrition, but we especially don't get as much uh, minerals from food now as we did then. And so I find that's an area in particular where folks tend to be deficient. You know, I just I was watching uh, a headline uh, last week about how they're now able to produce uh, meat uh, chemically, essentially, uh, and genetically. Uh, I'm wondering if, if as things go with our soil erosion and the lack of the nutrients in food, we're eventually just going to be a society that does take a pill of some kind rather than eating food. But that could be another topic. Oh, uh, indeed. Wow. I, you'll have to send me a link on that one. That's uh, fake meat. That's, well, it's um, not. It's not actually fake. It's almost. Uh, I, I don't remember all of the detail now, but it's almost like a stem cell where they they have now taken uh-huh. meat. But and they, I, they did this. There was a something in London. I think the the piece of meat, the hamburger, cost a hundred thousand dollars or a few <laughs> few hundred thousand dollars just to taste it. But I think that's. But they were talking about the direction where that was going to go, where once we can do something like that and produce meat like that, if it turns out to be a healthy process, then that means we don't have to have the um, cattle being held in uh, pens all the time and being uh, fed uh, antivirals and cocktails and steroids and antibiotics and things like that, and we won't be producing the methane. So there's a lot of interesting parts to that, but... And that wouldn't be considered genetically modified? Well, uh, <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> everything we do is genetically being modified now, just about. Actually, um, Glenn, if you don't mind, I, a point just came to mind for me based on what you said. Um, the it, it is very important, I think, that everyone really understand that any type of supplement is not a substitute for healthy food. Um, at, at this point, we have no way of getting a multivitamin, a food extract, supplement, or any other type of magic pill that comes close to um, the rich array of nutrients you would get from eating whole, dense, natural food. 
Right. We just and can't do that yet. not vitamin C or vitamin absolutely. C is not an orange. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> it's much better to take the supplement than to be deficient right? So it's sort of the next best thing. But I think it's important because I certainly find in in my own community, I get newsletter um, readers sending in these kinds of questions. They want to know if I don't really like vegetables, is it okay if I just take a multivitamin instead? And I think it's important to understand that it's better than doing nothing, but the multivitamin in no way, shape or form is going to measure up to the density of nutrients in that food because a, a stalk of broccoli has vitamin E, has vitamin C in it, but it also has literally over 600 other nutrients in it that are not in the multivitamin. Uh, and this is getting to that rich class of phytonutrients, phytochemicals mm. that we've talked about in prior shows that um, in some cases, we don't even know what they do yet uh, in the body, but the body does. I mean, through the evolution of the body, we make use of them, but we're just learning how they function, what they look like, and we aren't even close to being able to replicate them synthetically. So I believe supplements should always be about making up the gap between what people ideally should be eating or could be eating based on what they can afford, what they can palate, uh, what they can absorb, um, but but really using them as stopgaps rather than as a primary source of nutrition. Because if, if folks think that they're going to be really thriving, maybe surviving, but thriving on eating a whole bunch of processed junk food and then just taking a whole bunch of vitamins, my experience is that that does not work. Yeah, because it's Mine. not close to the rich variety of what we need. Let's start going into uh, a few specific things. I go to the gym and I listen to all these people talking about the supplements they're taking for athletic performance and for muscle gain and things like that. What's your experience with this and what advice do you have? <laughs> Let's see. I think, well, given that we've got uh, listeners that engage in a whole bunch of different levels of exercise and athleticism, I think by far the most important thing for your people to realize is that you will not have optimal metabolism if you are dehydrated. And I'm amazed at how many athletes I've worked with over the years who simply don't drink enough water. I think an awful lot of people um, only drink water when they feel super duper thirsty. And there's a lot of arguments in the uh, the medical world about the exact right amount of water. Is it eight glasses? The truth is, is that those are all just sound bites that that uh, sound good, I guess, uh, as marketing. We don't actually know the optimal amount of water, and it certainly varies by person depending on their diet. Uh, a little apple has a whole half a cup of water in it. So if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, you may not need to drink as much water. But your average athlete really needs to be drinking a lot more water. And especially if they are engaging in activities that involve a lot of sweat, then they definitely need to make sure that they're getting enough electrolyte minerals, potassium, sodium, magnesium. And there's some really good brands actually of no chemical, no crap, uh, electrolyte mixes. Uh, One of my favorite ones is a brand called Ultima. Um, that you can buy in a tub or in little packets, but it doesn't have artificial sweeteners or any of that kind of crap in it. And and you simply blend it with water and enjoy that at the gym. Unfortunately, I think a lot of athletes are choosing electrolyte drink mixes that are either loaded with sugar or loaded with artificial sweeteners or a lot of the chemical crap that we've talked about, uh, artificial colors, um, all sorts of preservatives. 
And the concept of electrolytes is great. But again, folks are, I really encourage folks to read the labels so they understand what they're using. But I think most athletes can benefit from something like that so that they stay well hydrated and so their electrolyte mineral levels stay nice and high. Because that's critical for avoiding exhaustion uh, during and after a workout. But it's also critical for metabolism, which is what most people are working out for. Mm-hmm. What about uh, muscle gain? People taking all these supplements, high dose proteins, and uh, a number of uh, creatine, and that's a great question. And I think the the factual answer is it depends on the person. I certainly uh, have seen my fair share of athletes that are consuming way too much protein. And there is an optimal amount in terms of supporting uh, fat burning in the body if the goal, especially as a bodybuilder, is to minimize body fat. I actually find the the most useful supplement for that is an amino acid called um, carnitine or or sold as L-carnitine. In our muscles, we have little energy factories called mitochondria. And and those are that's where we actually get energy production, and the mitochondria in the body will uh, burn sugars for fuel, which is certainly what it's burning for most Americans because we have so much uh, sugar and carbohydrates in our diet. But mitochondria are also very happy to burn fat, stored body fat for fuel, but it has to have the right cofactors to be able to do that. And carnitine in the mitochondria operates something called the carnitine shuttle that literally transports fat from outside um, of the mitochondria into the mitochondria so that it can actually be burned for fuel. And so uh, taking additional L-carnitine in order to support using fat for energy production is something I find a lot of people can benefit from. Uh, I I don't recommend taking huge, huge amounts of it. Um, Despite a a lot of media hype about um, some extremely small sample size studies that were done last year, uh, carnitine has been studied pretty heavily in terms of uh, improving heart muscle strength. Uh, And it's something that is often recommended as recovery uh, for people who are wrestling with heart disease or on the other side of a um, a heart attack. But I I find. 500 milligrams, maybe for women, maybe 1,000 or 1,500 for men of L-carnitine is something that can really boost fat burning in the body. Women need to be cautious of the fact that in some bodies, it can increase levels of testosterone, which women need in small amounts. But if they know they already have too much testosterone, it's probably not a good idea. And it's a example of the fact that we all respond differently to supplements and there's a right amount. More is not necessarily better at all. Uh, how about side effects from that? Any problems with kidney or liver with L-carnitine? Not in the doses that I'm talking about. Um, okay. I, I think in general for kidney liver health, again, hydration is so important in terms of flushing um, for the body. All right. Let's move to travel and time zones. People that uh, are on the go and in different time zones. Are there any supplements that will help them either with sleep or with energy? I, um, because people tend to get dehydrated while traveling, especially air travel, uh, 
I recommend that folks consider the electrolyte kinds of blends that we talked about. And I might actually even recommend something like uh, emergency as something to uh, to put in water while uh, traveling just to get a little bit of a boost of vitamin C as well. The low sugar version, I'm assuming you're thinking. Absolutely. The low sugar version. Right. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because there are, there are different types. Um, but um, making sure that people stay well hydrated and again, that those electrolytes stay uh, nice and plentiful because air travel uh, can be quite dehydrating uh, or for people in general on vacation. We're busy. We're having fun. We don't necessarily think about, oh, I should be drinking water. Uh, we tend to engage in other alternative beverages while uh, on vacation. So dehydration I see quite a bit, and, and that will make people feel sluggish, tired, low energy, malaise. Um, but I'm also a, a, a very big advocate of melatonin to help people who are traveling across time zones. Uh, melatonin is the neurotransmitter in our brain secreted by the pineal gland, kind of in the center of the brain, that uh, allows us to go to sleep. Um, it um, Our levels should start to increase in the later evening and then really peak in the middle of the night. But Obviously, your body's circadian rhythm is responding to your home time zone, and you can take uh, small amounts of melatonin to help get you on track with the new time zone by taking melatonin about a half an hour before you would like to be asleep in order to help you get on track. And I find, this has actually been studied as well, but I find it really helps people to get synced up with the new time zone much more rapidly and with less uh, fatigue, uh, less insomnia than they would otherwise. Yeah, doing it naturally. Um, I also would, in some of the studies that I've read, just like many things, if you start, you take your melatonin on a trip and you're sleeping well, and then suddenly you're starting to take melatonin on a daily basis, uh, that can, uh, the body's endocrine system usually responds to things like that by stopping production of, of the natural melatonin. Have you had that experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's one of the reasons why I recommend people not take more melatonin than they need. Uh, I, I People showing up saying, oh, I'm taking five or 10 milligrams of melatonin. My experience is that for travel purposes, the vast majority of people don't need more than one milligram in order to help them make the transition. And then to your point, I encourage them to start weaning off of that as soon as they can when they get back, understanding that they may have a couple of rough nights. But I think like anything else that uh, mucks with uh, hormones or neurotransmitters, uh, we have a lot of medications that do that, but there are definitely supplements that can do that as well. Uh, The brain chemistry starts to change in response to that uh, after several weeks use. So I think that's a great point. Use it while you need it and then come off of it so that we retain it as a tool, right? If we, if we become dependent on it, then it's no longer a travel tool anymore. It's just a I need to sleep tool. And I, I think that's true of um, anything that's replacing something that the body would normally make itself, like hormones or um, neurotransmitters. It's a great point. There's so many topics uh, that I want to talk about today, probiotics and digestive enzymes, uh, stress and anxiety, CoQ10. But I think I want to maybe do a whole show on stress and anxiety and maybe mm-hmm. some parts of probiotics. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on CoQ10? 
Coenzyme Q10. Yeah, coenzyme Q10. Um, So that is something that um, the body makes um, primarily in the liver. And it also is an essential nutrient needed in the mitochondria of all of our cells. And it's important for people to remember that muscles, uh, muscle cells have many, many times more mitochondria than other cells. And and that makes sense because muscles need to do a lot of work. And so they need a lot of the little energy factories. And we need CoQ10 in order to help those muscle cells to make a lot of energy. It's not that the body won't survive with suboptimal amounts of CoQ10. We're just not necessarily going to thrive. And CoQ10 is in the media quite a bit these days, primarily because of the uh, invention of statin um, medications, statin drugs, which are usually prescribed for uh, high levels of cholesterol. They work in the body because they're anti-inflammatory, and, and one of the side effects that they have is lowering cholesterol, but, but statins really work because they're anti-inflammatories. Um, but one of the vehicles by which statins work is impairing the chemical pathway in the liver that makes CoQ10, because it, it's the same pathway that makes cholesterol. And so uh, by virtue of trying to help reduce one pathway, we end up reducing a whole bunch of them. And people can end up with uh, some pretty debilitating symptoms as a result of having insufficient amounts of CoQ10 because of their medications. And aging and- also. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. And we also just make less as we as we age. Uh, like uh, There are a number of things like that where the body makes nutrients where we tend to make less. Melatonin is another example, right? As we age, we make less melatonin. Um, but uh, CoQ10, I think, is really critical for optimal muscle function. And what's arguably the most important muscle in the body? The heart. Uh, and so it, it's important, I find, that for anyone using a statin uh, drug, that they be supplementing with uh, additional CoQ10 to make sure that the cells in their body aren't suffering from lack of CoQ10 because of the medication's actions. Um, so I, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I think 20, 25 years ago, hardly anyone have heard, had heard of CoQ10, but today it's in the media quite a bit. But it's like anything else. You know, you want to make sure that you're taking one that doesn't bring a whole bunch of crap along with it uh, in the ingredients and and that you really know what you're getting. And as I said before, unfortunately, the cheaper brands tend to be where you see a lot of crap. So people really would do well to read and try to understand what they're choosing. Yeah, and I would emphasize that uh, even more, the CoQ10 they're usually pretty expensive, and they have lots of things that they say about them, but not all of them are that good. And so you're taking a lot of, you're spending a lot of money and not getting as much as you think you want to get from that. And we could talk about that more. I wanted to talk to you for just a moment or two as we're coming to the close of the hour. Uh, we like to honor the healers, certainly on our program, Magical Medical Tour but also the teachers. And one of the things that you do, aside from uh, talking about nutrition, you have a website, wildlysuccessfulhc.com. Can you tell us just a few moments about that? And by the way, before you do that, I want to ask you a question. (laughs) The cartoon figure on on your website uh, seems to look a lot like you. 
<laughs> that is. It's me. Oh, yay. That is me. That's great. Uh, A caricature of me. Um, But I appreciate you bringing that up, Glenn, because uh, teaching is really my my first passion. And and as much as I love supporting my own clients to um, eat on purpose and to understand biochemically what's going on in their body and get the nutrients they need, I'm just one person and I can only support so many clients and um, I'm blessed to be very busy, but I, I really want to play a key role in a transformation of a whole nother uh, bridge of wellness care, true health care uh, that um, people uh, today can seek, uh, not as an alternative to, but in partnership as a, a richness with um, basic medical care. And I provide clinical education for health counselors so that they can feel more confident and also more knowledgeable, understanding the true root causes of their clients' illnesses and diseases. Yeah, and that's a great thing, and we really appreciate that. So that will be on on the website. We're going to put that on the website for uh, Magical Medical Tour. And thank you for doing your healing and teaching. So, Tracy, we're coming close to the end now, and you know what that means since you've been with us for a long time now. Uh, We're looking for another health tip from you. Another health tip. Well, um, I knew we were going to talk about melatonin, and um, I I thought I would use that as a, a segue for something that is oh so obvious, perhaps, or hopefully, to our listeners. But I find the vast majority of my clients uh, and readers really don't honor enough the importance of sleep. I think in today's day and age, sleep is something that most people are trying to avoid. Uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, shout with glee of the fact that I only need five hours of sleep a night or, or I can survive on only four and a half with the assertion that that creates a lot more time and space to do more, to be busy more, to be active more, to go and do and go and do and go and do. And I I find that people are really shocked to find out how much better they feel when they allow their body to sleep as much as their body actually needs. And my my actual tip, and this is going to shock a lot of people, but if if you'll try it, you might be stunned at the difference it will make. Go to bed such that you don't need an alarm clock to get up at the time that you want to get up at. Hmm. Now, Christina, I can practically see you rolling your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. You know, what's interesting is I don't usually need my alarm clock. (laughs) Fabulous, fabulous. And I'm not against alarm clocks. I think it's a great backup strategy. But generally, we should go to bed at a time that our body can wake up when it wants to, and it's before our alarm clock goes off, so that we're not having our sleep interrupted by this loud, alarming, chaotic sound. Talk about starting the day off on a a stressed out foot. (laughs) Um, and, And it's amazing to me how often we'll make the choice to trade off sleep for wellness Uh, in order to watch yet another TV show. Um, People are shocked when they actually try try it. uh, Just for the next two weeks, I want you to go to bed at the time that you think you need to go to bed and allow your body to wake up. People tend to think they won't fall asleep. um, They won't be able to get up in time. They'll wake up in the middle of the night. Most people are shocked 
that if they will actually lie down and be still and have dim lighting or no lighting, their body will go to sleep and, and they will sleep much more than they thought they needed to or had to. And the, the simple act of being well-rested is often the difference between feeling okay and feeling fantastic. It's very simple. It's free. For most people, no supplements required. Uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of prioritizing it. And it's very simple, so I don't want folks to feel shortchanged, but I, I really hope you trust me and try it because it is powerful, the difference it makes in the energy you have on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, so, so on that note, what, how do you feel about taking like the calcium before you go to bed? Because I've been told that for women, the calcium with the magnesium actually helps the body to rest. I actually, uh, the thing that I most often recommend is actually just magnesium Mm. Um, because magnesium is uh, the primary relaxation mineral uh, in our diet. And the average American is much more likely to be deficient in magnesium than deficient in calcium. Mm. Uh, and we could, uh, Glenn, we should do a show on calcium and bone health and oh, yes. calcium myths. <laughs> we could have fun with that I'm one too. Bouncing. Wow. That's a huge, that's yeah. a, a huge jackpot there. Um, but I think your, your point is great around, um, taking some, um, some extra magnesium, uh, maybe with dinner or before bed, it can be very relaxing for the body. Uh, if people choose magnesium citrate in particular, it can really help to cure uh, some mild constipation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to have magnesium in order to have normal bowel movements. But many people find that they not only can drift off to sleep more readily, but they also sleep more soundly. And sometimes insomnia is just um, magnesium deficiency disguised. Mm. Magnesium is one, usually one of the top three American nutrient deficiencies. Uh, a study a few years back found that up to two-thirds of Americans are um, have insufficient magnesium. So pretty common um, nutrient gap in our diet, again, because there's less of it in our food. So uh, there's a little tip for you there. I, I'm a big fan of magnesium. Yay. <laughs> We're on a magical medical tour. We're a big fan of sleep. And we actually, <laughs> we, we actually did two episodes with uh, a sleep specialist, Dr. Andrew Binder, episodes yes. number 16 and episode number 24. So I would recommend that uh, people look at that. He talked about one of the things that he spoke about uh, was it's not as important in terms of regulating your sleep as the time you go to bed, but the time that you wake up, that you should always wake up at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh Anyway, episode 16 and 24 with Dr. Binder. Uh, Christina, any final thoughts? Uh, Tracy, any final thoughts? Um, Yes. Well, actually, I would like to read a comment that came through uh, for both of you. Uh, Glenn and Tracy, thank you so much for all this wonderful information that you've made so accessible. I've truly been enjoying your series of shows. I find the supplement aisle to be a little overwhelming. Thank you for giving me a platform to start from. Oh, great. Awesome. Thanks. Fantastic. Thank, I'll thank my sister for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I, I, we really do try to help people on this show and give them great advice. And Tracy's been one of those people that's really uh, done a magnificent job with us. So thank you, Tracy. And I would like to thank our audience and everyone that's uh, continuing to join us on Magical Medical Tour. 
thanking all of my healers and all of my teachers as they've allowed me on my journey. And until next week, I would like to say thank you, Tracy, for all of your great work with us and with all of the people that you do help, including uh, the people that you're teaching how to help others. That's so great. Until next week, I wish you all optimal health. Absolutely. Thank Thanks, you. Glenn. Thank it was a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you so much, Tracy, for another wonderful show. And to you as well, Dr. Glenn Woolman and Segovia Smith and the Yoga Hub team for making it all possible for us. And of course, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. Please join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. You can also contact Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him on Twitter, at Glenn Woolman, and of course through his own website, glennwoolman.com, where you can learn about his metaphor, Square Breath. And again, may I remind you to follow Tracy Harrison at wildlysuccessfulhc.com. Again, we are always grateful for any feedback. Give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste. Excellent. Let's go get some vitamin B shots. <laughs> uh, Glenn, it's amazing just talking through this. And to your point, we could do a, a 20 show series and still not come close to really even highlighting, in my view, kind of the basics. Um, it, it reminds me of the, the coursework that I uh, have for teaching health coaches and massage therapists and nurses and whatnot, um, we do an entire two-hour webinar, several of them on supplements and what to look for and what to use and when mm. to use it. And I still feel like we barely broached the surface of everything that's out there. It's mm. incredible. Mm. You know, I think uh, the uh, comment from the guest that you read said it perfectly. I think at the end, she, he or she said um, something like, thank you for at least starting the platform. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it is. I think people have to realize that they can start. They have to ground themselves and start somewhere. And the platform that you're presenting here at least gives them the indication of I should start. I should have a platform and uh, I can take it a step at a time with a few of the simple things that you've covered. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, we could, very true. I mean, we could talk about every single vitamin. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I had classes. I know, and, and I'm chomping at the bit to do that. Can you tell? <laughs> wait, wait, I, but, but, but. <laughs> I know, I wanted to ask you four, five, I think I even did that this time. I tried to ask you three or four questions at the same time. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like, uh, can we have a little more, please? <laughs> but even, so I, we even dove into, to B12, right? But yep. we didn't even get to the notion of, 
you know, most multivitamins have the cyanocobalamin form of B12, which is also synthetic, does not exist in food. Um, But it's what's in most multivitamins, and not everyone is going to be able to absorb that and convert it into the active form. Mm. So when people are buying a multivitamin or B-complex, if it's not derived from food, you want them to make sure they're looking for the methyl form of B12, Mm. not the cyano form. Well, that's who knows that, yeah. right? It's not the kind of thing that's going to show up in a headline, but it's a reason why people can invest a lot of money and time and discipline in taking something and then have it not really help. And they get discouraged thinking, see, supplements are bunk or B12's right. bunk. This is not helping me. It's because we got the wrong solution for a very legitimate issue. Mm-hmm. Um And it's the kind of thing I find most people don't know. And choice really can make a huge difference in whether or not something is effective. Yeah, and unfortunately, most of our choice is based on marketing. You know, if it's got a gummy bear on it or something very cute, (laughs) that clearly is the best vitamin because the other one just looks like it has all the right ingredients, but it doesn't have a purple gummy bear. There you go. Well, and to your point, Glenn, I find one of the the saddest realities today in the supplement world is what is put in the majority of children's multivitamins. Yes. Because parents are really trying hard to do the right thing. I mean, when you think about it, I'm I'm going out of my way to get a multivitamin for my child to try and make up the gap of what their diet does or doesn't provide. I love that intention. That's wonderful. But then when you look at what is marketed to either Mm -hmm. them or to their kids, And the junk that ends up there um, in order to make it look great or um, taste like candy uh, really works against the nutrient value. And and it's absurd how little nutrients are in the majority of kids' multivitamins. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I, I really, it really uh, uh, sort of compels me. I, I've started a parent group at my son's school to help support the school because it's a really inner, inner city school. And um, I mean, most of the parents are such low income families that, you know, they do want the best for their children with the little that they have to spend. But as you say, the junk, you know, they, they come to school with these little gummy bear <laughs> kind of vitamins and woohoo. Um, and, and I think it's even more interesting because I, I, I wanted to, uh, like with mega food, you know how they have they dehydrate all the fruits and vegetables, I, I and they they have a children's formula that is sweet because of the fruit that they've used. It's almost like putting on the tabletop to show them in this one little pill is all these different items. You know, right. kids get a kick out of that. They kind of go, <laughs> "What? What? It's this is like astronaut food." <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, pop one of these, and you're eating all of this that's on the table sort of excites them so much more than this piece of candy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, I think that's a great place to start. And then to your point, I hope you, and I know I'm sure you do, but I hope you use that platform as a vehicle though, to say to people, okay, now let's batten down the hatches with the supplement. Now let's start to talk about how do we prepare real whole food in a way that kids find palatable Mm -hmm. um, and can start to expand their, their palate uh, a bit. Well, but also I, the, the big, the big hurdle that I find Tracy is the parents. Sure. Right. I mean, literally if, if the parents don't eat as such, 
the children are not going to follow. And luckily, this inner city school is mainly Asian, so it's a lot of, you know, l- lower oil, like the, 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 the real Asian cooking. <laughs> it's very, very little oils and very little sauces. It's a quick stir-fry toss of the vegetables, a lot of greens usually. Usually there's always yeah. a green on the table. There's always a fresh pot of soup every day, you know, with the herbs and everything in it for balance, depending on the weather. And then there's always like one vegetable, one meat, usually stir-fried with other vegetables. <laughs> and mm-hmm. your bowl of rice, your carb, yeah, right? it's great. It's <laughs> so, wonderful. You know, it's funny, I you know, say, I grew right? up in a, in a real, really small town um, in Georgia. And, um, I can remember my grandfather talking about the fact that they barely were very poor. They had barely had two nickels to rub together, but he said, we always ate really well Mm -hmm. because we had this great kitchen garden. (sighs) And so, you know, a typical meal, we might have this little serving, little serving of some kind of chicken or something, but we might have five or six vegetables and a piece of cornbread. And and he said, you know, we ate a lot of vegetables because as my mama used to say, it's free. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what is it? He used to say, you got to eat what God gave you. So uh, I can still hear him saying That's that to great. me 40 years ago um, and and how that was a rich under, underpinning of how he was raised. And uh, I think the opportunity with gardens and community garden plots and you do not need a lot of land to grow greens for your family. That's right. You just don't. You That's have right. very tiny little plots of land. And I love some of the community gardens that are cropping up in all sorts of communities and inner cities mm-hmm. in the U.S., uh, to empower not just uh, children around the education, around where food comes from, but to try and grow some of what they need to have a nutrient-dense diet, um, particularly things that are very expensive in the store that will grow like wildfire, wildfire even in marginal soil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I you agree. know, um, one of the things to put a silver lining on these gummy bear uh, vitamins <laughs> and things like that it's better is... Than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what it what it does is it sets up a pattern of behavior in a child to take a vitamin. And so that they may not take the great vitamin when they're a kid because their parents didn't know. But as an adult, if they tune into Magical Medical or something else, they find things. They're still used to taking the vitamin, and now they go out and search and take a better vitamin. So mm-hmm. I think the concept sometimes, even if it's not a good vitamin, you start the kid on a concept of thinking about the the nutrition and supplements and everything like that but but then i mean i know that happened with me uh you know my parents had me on vitamins when i was little and i've continued it always and as i get smarter and learn more i'm still taking them but i try to take better ones taking your gummy bears (laughs) well that but i take them in the afternoon I don't take them first thing in the morning. That's for my extra boost before I go to the gym. <laughs> you know, Glenn, I think I think that's an excellent point, especially yeah. if if it comes along with a, a, some real education from the parents around nutrients and why nutrients are important. Um, I, I think that's it. Does start the learning of why it's not just. You know, just because you can chew it and swallow it and it tastes reasonable does not make it nutritious, obviously. And um, kids, unless it's a palpable part of childhood education, primarily from parents, kids can miss that entire message. Right. Mm, Have you seen these? um, I, I know we have them out in California and we're seeing them at the garden shows and the home shows and things like that. But there's 
there's this tower that people are using now. It's it's got a base to it which is has water in it and things like that. And the tower goes up maybe five, six, seven, or eight feet, and people are growing their greens and and a number of other things in this tower. So you could have it if you only had a little balcony and you lived in an apartment in New York. You yeah. could be growing your own kale and growing your own spinach and right on this tower. It's it's hydroponic, uh, so it's not the earth, but it's certainly something that would afford people to have these things even if they don't have access to that garden. So you see, that is a whole show in itself because I see at our wonderful farmers markets the different. I mean, the difference between the hydroponic and the ones that are grown in the earth. Right. And I got to tell you, the ones that are grown in the earth, even though it has a more wild flavor to it <laughs> that the palate has to get used to, right? It, the energy is completely different. I mean, I agree. That's my. That's my. You know, I'm so energetic when I touch things, when I do things. It, 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 it's the the frequency that you know. You should see me in this obsidian dome where we went, which is all rocks. I was mesmerized by all these rocks. I had to touch all these rocks because of the energy that was giving that they were that's giving great. off. You know, um, but it's it was like the, the the food is so different. You know, when sure. it's it's grown in soil and absorbing that sunlight, yeah. you know, it's, it's, everything like, it's is alive. energy. No, yeah, it's a lot. It's basic physics. Everything is, uh, is energy. Everything is vibrating. YHTV's magical medical tour. Come join Dr. Glenn Woolman and Christina Suzuma as they journey through the healthcare galaxy, interviewing doctors, healthcare practitioners in the attempt to share ways to achieve optimal health. Join us on yogahub.tv every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern.